0: So this morning we're continuing our series, Living Well. We're looking at uh, the whole subject of anger management. The Proverbs have a load to say about that. And I'm just going to read one proverb to you, Proverbs, from Proverbs 29, verse 11. I'm just going to read one. I could have read many, many Proverbs to you, but we'll just read this one. This is what it says. A fool gives vent to his anger but a wise man man keeps himself under control. A fool gives vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. I was reading a a quote by a famous old preacher called C.H. Spurgeon, and uh, this is what uh, he once said. I heard someone say that he was sorry he had lost his temper. I was uncommonly glad to hear he had lost it but I regretted that he had found it again so soon. That really made me chuckle when I read that that this week. Last night I was uh, sitting at a table with uh, Hampshire and Isle of Wight uh, police commissioner. And, um, oh, name dropping, there you go. There you go. That's what I do on a Saturday night. So I was uh, just chatting to him and he was talking about one of the things that uh, he's passionate about, and uh, he's, uh, he's got a group of young people that he works with and, and talks to and listens to. And one of the issues that he's particularly concerned about is domestic violence. And he uh, was saying to me that, that actually domestic violence is something that many, many, many young people seem to know a lot about because they experience it at home, where uh, parents are unable to control their anger. I read this week that over 50% of drivers have experienced some form of road rage. I'm looking at Colin Roberts on the balcony, and uh, I know that he, for, for many months, he had to follow my wife uh, driving behind her on the M27, and he used to say it was, uh, it was a, a difficult time, and, uh, but I, I think he's coming through it. Is that right, Colin? Just about. He's just about coming through it. Most of us will have experienced road rage other people, getting very angry, seeing people getting angry uh, as they're driving, Uh, and may have felt ourselves get angry on occasions when people in front of us do uh, incredibly daft things. I was driving towards Chichester the other day with Dave Lockyer in the car. And uh, we got to the first roundabout coming into Chichester, and uh, a woman driver in front of us had stopped her car, got out of her car in the fast lane of the motorway, gone round the front of the car, and was shouting, raging at the car, the guy in the car behind, who all he was doing was just beeping his horn at her. She was going mad, or as in Wales, she was going mental. Mental. She was going absolutely mental. She was absolutely, uh, she lost it uh, and uh, she got back in the car, slammed the car, and then she swerved over all the lanes, in and out of cars, uh, driving away at great speed. We all get angry on occasions. I stopped playing uh, football in my 20s because I had a very short fuse, and I was finding it really difficult to control it, and so I just stopped playing football. Uh, And even uh, when I uh, used to take my son to football, I, I would end up, they would be looking for someone to run the line at the football games. And, and I found even when I was doing that, it seemed to generate more heat than light. And there were occasions when uh, uh, it would be really embarrassing, but I'd have people shouting at me, raging at me about some decision that I'd made. And, of course, half the trouble is that I can't, you know, even when my glasses on my sight is a little dodgy. And so they're going to get absolutely mad. And the worst thing is, is when the, the manager of your own team is shouting at you. And, uh, and so anger seems to be all around us. Proverbs has a lot to say about ang- anger and its impact on us. We read in the Proverbs about the person who is hot-tempered, quick-tempered, and ill-tempered. And in each case, God is not impressed. Why? Well, James, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 20, James tells us this. He says this. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Man's anger doesn't bring about the righteous life that God desires. And so that's why God has a lot to say about the issue of anger in the book of Proverbs. And this morning we're going to uh, look at a few things. First of all, we're going to look at the two faces of anger. Then we're going to look about how to act handle anger well. And then finally, we're going to uh, look at how to avoid being ensnared with anger that leads to strife and disputes and quarrels. And so the first thing we're going to look at is the two faces of anger. You see, there are two sides to anger. The first one is that on occasions, anger is accepted acceptable. Anger can be right as long as it's kept proportionate. And the other face of anger is where it's unacceptable because either it's just wrong in the first place or it's right but it's, it's exercised in a disproportionate way. When I was growing up there were moments when uh, my parents displayed right anger when I had done something, in fact did many things that I shouldn't have done. And they were right to be angry with me. I remember many times my mum my would, uh, when she called me Stephen, I knew I was in trouble. Stephen, come here. I think, oh no, what, what have I? and then I'd been found out, I'd done something. And she would, she would be uh, angry with me, but she would handle it well, and she was right to do so. I needed correction. But there were occasions when that spilled over, when uh, it was handled, and it wasn't right. Sometimes, I I remember my dad getting angry with me, and it was just wrong. There were moments, I remember one day, where I had my hair cut. I came in, I had my hair cut really short, uh, probably a grade one or grade two. And uh, I walked in, and my dad was reading his newspaper, and uh, he dropped his newspaper, looked at me, didn't say a word, lifted his newspaper up, and the newspaper was shaking like that. And, and he literally, I don't think he spoke to me for probably nearly three days. He was so cross. And I knew it, you could feel it in the house. could feel the atmosphere in the house. And that was just wrong. It's just a haircut. You may not have liked it, it's just a haircut. We're going to talk first of all about the unacceptable face of anger. In Proverbs 27 verse 4, it sums it up when it says this, anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. You see, anger can all too often be destructive, it can be damaging, it can result in us becoming out of control as well as violent. And God says such anger is wrong. We need to get rid of it. The Bible calls the person who is hot-headed and quick-tempered, the Bible calls them a fool in Proverbs chapter 14. You see, in their anger, they're impulsive, they're reckless. They do things uh, 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 that they're going to have to live with after they've cooled down. And their conscience often plays them up about the way they behaved or how they spoke or how they acted. They usually leave a trail of damaged people, damaged lives behind them as they've plowed through with their anger. And you see, the the thing is, the unacceptable face of anger, man's anger, is uh, is expressed in two ways. Some people, what they do is they want to cap it. They want to somehow try and manage it or control. They want to control, they just want to put a lid over the top of it. And so they fill in, they rage raging with that, and all they do is they just put a, a lid over it. It's, someone once said it is like trying to bury toxic waste in your back garden. It seemed like a good idea at the time. But later, it's not long before that toxic waste is starting to, uh, ex, uh, uh, to impact what happens in the garden. It affects things that are growing in the garden. When I was in, in Wales, there was a, a local rugby club, and uh, the, the rugby ground was right next to a nickel plant, where they were plating, they were plating nickel, that sort of stuff, and the ground, the, the rugby ground had got, they, they believe, it got contaminated, and so when they were playing rugby, and uh, when it rained, and it always rains... When you're uh, in Wales, it rains a lot and they're playing rugby. The water mixed with the, the, the contaminated soil, rugby players were getting burnt. They were finding their skin, they were finding burns on their skin. Because contaminated ground, when you try to, uh, uh, contaminated ground, it will come out. So when you try to cap your anger, when you just say, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stuff it down, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to by force of will, I'm going to keep it down. Eventually, it comes out. Eventually, it comes out. Sulking mood swings, depression, frustration, cynicism, all these sort of things can be the results of trying to control, hold down, cap, suppress anger. Some people are just like walking volcanoes. Under the surface, anger is bubbling away. Anger at something that's happened in the past past something that someone said to them something that someone's done to them and suddenly there's going to be a moment where it just bursts out in a rage for other people they just simply vent their anger straight away something happens and they're in your face straight away they don't even bother to try and cap it they just let it out I remember when I was uh, working for a local authority uh, in Hampshire and uh, the chief ex- executive had had an affair and his wife had found out about it and she was so angry so angry she got his mercedes she drove his mercedes in uh, the precinct she drove it up towards the council entrance. She drove it through the glass doors of the council entrance and left it smack bang in the middle of the council foyer. She was so angry. She was in a rage. The problem was he was humiliated and embarrassed, but she was the one that had to go to the police station. The damage that man's anger unacceptable face of anger can cause in our lives is huge maybe you try to cap your anger maybe you try to suppress it maybe you're someone who just occasionally finds yourself blowing your stack god wants to speak to you this morning you see there is an acceptable face of anger you see the bible says there are some things that we should be angry about this is the very point that Paul makes in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 26 to 27. And he says this, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. In your anger, don't sin. It's possible to be angry and, and, and not sin. And for God, God actually is pleased with that sort of anger. There is a place for a right anger. There are some things that we should be indignant about. We should be indignant about people's indifference towards the God who created them. We should be outraged when people are trampled on and taken advantage of, especially for those who don't have the ability to protect themselves. We should be angry at injustice and cruelty. There is an acceptable face of anger. You see, the Bible makes it clear God gets angry. God gets angry. He's angry at people's desire to live without any reference to him. That's what the Bible calls sin. He's angry at the chaos that that has caused in the world that he has made and invested in. Paul says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. God's anger, we're told in in Exodus, is fierce and burning hot. The writer of Hebrews says it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And yet we also read that God is slow to anger. That's what it says in Psalm 103, verse 8. God is slow to anger. And when he's angry, He is never out of control. Jesus, God's Son, when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago, he was the image of the invisible God. He became a man like us in every way we're told, but he never did anything wrong, he never sinned. And yet he got angry. Jesus was angry at people's indifference to those who were suffering. He was angry at the, their disdain of God. He was angry about people making money out of people coming to, uh, trying to come to God. Money changers in the temple who were just taking a profit uh, as people are tr- tr- needing to get the temple tax, the coin. And they're, do- they're selling them at a profit just to make money. It's in a business venture and uh, they're using God to make money. And Jesus was furious at it. The Bible calls it a zeal for righteousness. You see, the only way to deal with ungodly behavior is godly anger. Do we care about God's honor? Are we concerned about people who are created in the image of God? Or are we indifferent? You see, God expects us to be angry at some things. So how do we handle anger? anger well. How do we do that? How is it possible for us to handle anger well? It's such a, we find ourselves caught up in a moment and how can we handle anger well? Well in Proverbs 16 verse 32 it says this, better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. That's not capping it, that's not suppressing it, that's actually control it. And the Proverbs says that we are to be people who control our temper. In Genesis, we read a really interesting little story. Right at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4, we read the story about uh, two of Adam and Eve's sons. We read about Cain and Abel. And uh, they are both involved in their different occupations. Uh, Cain uh, works the fields growing crops. Abel looks after the, the flocks, looks after uh, uh, probably sheep, lambs. And they both bring an offering to God to say thank you God for the way you've looked after us, for the way you've provided for us. And Cain brings some, uh, 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 some vegetables, some of his crops. And Abel brings one of his firstborn lambs. And God accepts Abel's offering but he refuses to accept Cain's because, you see, God looks at the heart. He's not so bothered about the, uh, 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 the, what, what, the offering itself. He's more interested in what's going on in Cain's heart. And, and Cain's heart is careless, thoughtless about God, taking God for granted. And so God goes, no, I, this, th- there's a heart issue at work here. And Cain, we're told, was angry This is what it says in Genesis chapter 4. Listen to this. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then God said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. We need to gain dominion over sinful anger. The Hebrew word that the the writer uses for crouching was used elsewhere to describe a a demon standing outside a door of a house, threatening those inside. That's the sort of picture uh, that we have here. We know as followers of Jesus that there is an enemy out there, a devil, who hates the people of God who hates us, who threatens us and do whatever he can to ensnare us and get us caught up particularly in the area of anger. In the Proverbs, Proverbs twenty-two, twenty-five, it says that those who are easily angered leave themselves ensnared, leaving a trail of damaged people behind them. I used to work with a a, a lady and um, I mentioned it the other day when I was talking about compassion and she used to come to work and uh, she used to uh, 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 always have long sleeves on but occasionally in the summer she'd wear short sleeve tops, blouses and uh, when she would uh, be moving around the office you would occasionally see glimpse of bruises around both arms, top of both arms. She didn't mean for any, she was trying to hide them. See, what, what was happening at home, nobody else knew. Her husband was an alcoholic. And uh, he couldn't control his temper. And used to rage and used to grab her arms like that. And the damage that that caused to her and the children was huge. Uncontrollable anger. Couldn't control his anger how on earth do we handle anger well? Well, the Bible gives us some keys. The first thing we need to do is we need to be able to acknowledge it. When Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, the implication is you have to acknowledge that you are angry. You have to recognize it. You have to say, actually, there's an issue going on here in my heart. I I'm I'm, 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 feel myself getting out of control. I feel the anger rising. I need to do something about it. You see, some people just will not face up to the fact they have an issue with it. There's always a good reason. It's never their fault. It was always the other driver. It was always the neighbor's fault. Never their responsibility. They're like a long-range weather forecast thundery with intermittent stormy outbursts and when you see them coming you see their faces their faces sort of carry it and uh, uh, they're, they're scary people to be around we need to be people who acknowledge what's going on inside we say actually actually I, I see I have an issue I have an issue we need to acknowledge our problem we need to face up to it we need to talk to God about it When you read in Psalm 73, you read of the psalmist talking about his battles with what's going on inside his heart. It's good. We need to talk to God. We need to be open with one another, saying, I'm really struggling with this, acknowledge our anger. The second thing we need to do is we need to get to the root of the issue. We need to get to the root of our anger. You see, the, the problem with that is it's a little tricky, because we don't really understand the extent of the problem. We think we're angry for legitimate reasons, but actually, usually our motives are less than pure. Let me, let me give you an example of what I mean. A few weeks ago, uh, well, it's probably about two months ago now, um, I, I, we were changing energy supplier, and um, we went on one of the uh, websites, and uh, it was one of the Switch ones, you Press a button, found a good deal, pressed the button, uh, and it said, You will hear from us in the next few weeks. Well, six weeks later, heard nothing. I heard absolutely nothing. And uh, as the weeks go by, I'm thinking, Why haven't I heard from them? I wonder, uh, have, have I changed? Am I, have I changed energy, energy splur or not? Has anyone paying any attention to this? So slowly, I could feel myself starting to get irritated. So, the irritation is starting to rise inside. After six weeks, I'm sort of like, we're probably 50% there to be very, 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 very angry. So, I think, right, well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to phone them. So, I phone up the company. I won't tell you who it is, but I phone up the company, 35 minutes on the phone, can't get through Listening to this voice telling me, "I'm sorry, uh, we don't have." Oh, we're very busy at the moment. We don't have any. So after about 35 minutes, I'm, I managed to get through, and the person says, uh, "I managed to get through," and they say, uh, "You'll need to ring back tomorrow." So it's, you can just feel it. it's just rising. You know, I'm just there's not quite smoke coming out my ears yet. Next day, I phone. I'm over 40 minutes on the phone. Over 40 minutes on the phone. I mean, I am by now. I'm really close to the edge. I'm sort of teetering on the edge, and so when the, I get through to the helper, all I hear is it's a, the guy on the end of the phone says, "Oh, hello. Are you having a nice day?" <laughs> <laughs> and I, so everything with him is, it's, "Look, I appreciate. So this is my little spiel." I appreciate it's not your issue you're just answering the phone but it's this has not gone well I've been six weeks waiting to hear I've been 40 over 40 minutes on the phone waiting for someone to answer the phone and 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 then he makes the schoolboy error he goes oh I'm really really sorry no 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 that's too quick (laughs) You can't just go. I'm sorry. (laughs) So you are sort of thinking, no, that's you. You can't get out of it. Like, look, you need to understand. I've been six weeks. I've been waiting. Have I? You know, I don't know what's going on. It's really frustrating. He said. He said, let me check our system. I'll just be a couple of minutes. Comes back and then he says, oh, we sent you an email. I said, well, I'm sorry, but I've had no email. I've had no email. He said, well, excuse me. He said, let me check again. Oh, we, we did send you an email. I said, uh, I have had no email. He said, uh, let me just, uh, oh, we sent it to, um, gives the email address. I go, well, that's not my email address. You sent it to the wrong email address. Why did you send it to that email address? Well, uh, Well, so that's the one we had on our system. And as he's saying that, suddenly the penny dropped. I knew what I'd done. What's happening is when you fill out those things and they say, are we going to send you some emails? uh, Do you mind if we send you emails? And I think, well, I'm going to see what the the answer is. I don't really want you to send me emails, so I'll make an email up. was a difficult moment. <laughs> you see, sometimes we get angry about things, and it's, it's all about us, and actually we don't really know what's going on behind us, but we're just raging inside, and, and, and it's, it's all about how we feel. It's not actually, it's about the circumstances, and often that's colored by uh, uh, maybe how the other person, what their day has been like, what's happened in their world, and you just don't know. You don't know what's happened in someone else's world. Sometimes we don't even realize the mistakes that we make. Maybe a teacher picks up on your school uniform and it's really brutal with you in front of the class. Maybe as a co- in university you... Uh, the lecturer gives you a really hard time because you've handed in your assignment late and he's not going to accept it. Maybe you get a speeding ticket for doing 34 in a 30 and you were so polite to the police officer when they stopped you. Maybe you're feeling uh, uh, angry because... Actually, they've changed in work their, the policy on how they pay bonuses and it's not to your advantage. Maybe you're just angry because the neighbor next door, their party has gone on at 2 o'clock in the morning and I can't sleep. That is just so unreasonable. Maybe the mother-in-law buys you another jumper, the wrong size and the wrong color, third year running. But once we stop to take a moment to reflect, to acknowledge that we're angry and to start to explore, just to think about what's really going on, we may find that the underlying reason for for our anger isn't really fair. Actually, we weren't wearing the right uniform. Actually, the assignment actually there was a deadline and we did miss it actually we were breaking the speed limit actually the company are entitled to change how they pay bonuses actually it's the first time that the neighbours ever had a party and actually my mother-in-law loves me and wants to buy me presents that's pretty good We need to really take a good, hard look. And as we do that before God, often we find that actually the the ground we're standing on is not that solid. We need to look at the root of our anger. And, And once we do that, there is a choice of action, We need to take action. How we respond is crucial. Sometimes it will involve us taking courageous action. When you see something happening that's wrong, sometimes you need to stand up for those who've been taken advantage, disadvantage, been disadvantaged. Maybe something inappropriate at work. Maybe something happening that you see in the street. But you've got, always got to remember we don't know all the facts. And as well as that, maybe the person that we're going to speak to and perhaps focus our irritation on is not the person responsible for the situation. So Paul says, in your anger, don't sin. Maybe we need to face up to, uh, when we face up to why we're angry, will mean we need to apologize ourselves and put some stuff right. Maybe we need to let go of how we're feeling because we're actually starting to treat someone more harshly than we've ever been treated ourselves. When we do that, we need to remember what Jesus has done for us. I always find when I'm feeling, starting to feel angry, and as I start to recognize it, as I start to acknowledge it, as I start to, before God, dig into what's going on in my heart, I find God start to speak and bring me to make different choices to the ones I would make. And I often find God saying to me, do you remember how I treated you? Do you remember what, how you used to live? The th- truth is, God was, was angry with the way I lived with the... Living independently of him. The things that I got up to. But God so loved me, he gave an answer. He sent Jesus to die for me, to take the punishment for, uh, for my sin. God's wrath, God's anger was, for me was dealt with by Jesus on the cross. He took God's anger for me, that I might be set free and forgiven. The Bible says in Romans 9, it says that God is it's, it, it, what if God is angry with us, but actually he chooses to be patient to show his glory? What if he chooses to show mercy to people who are objects of wrath, to instead of treating them how they deserve to be treated, he's going to give them mercy. So instead of being objects of wrath, they become objects of mercy because of his glory, because of Jesus and what Jesus has done. This is the gospel. This is the glorious gospel that God has dealt with. our anger. His anger has been dealt with by Jesus on the cross that we might be forgiven. And God wants us to know that that's how we need to treat others because we are children of God. Not letting the sun go down on our anger is great advice. We need to come before God. And yet the Proverbs set us a higher challenge. It talks about avoiding strife. Listen to this. Proverbs 30, verse 33. For as churning the milk produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. If I went up to you and gave your nose a really sharp twist, it's going to bleed. Guarantee it's going to bleed. We won't try it this morning just to prove the point, but it will bleed. What the Proverbs says is, stirring up anger will produce strife. In Proverbs 20 verse 3, it simply says, it is um, to a man's honor to avoid strife. Strife is disputes, quarrels, rows, dissensions, arguments. We're to avoid those sorts of things. God promises to bless us if we dwell together in unity. God says where his people dwell together in unity, there he commands blessing. That's what it says in Psalm 133. So how can we hope to achieve that? How can we avoid strife? Well, the Proverbs give us a couple of keys. First of all, drop the matter. Proverbs 17 verse 14 says this, Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Let it go. Let it go. Is it a hill worth dying on? Is it a battle worth fighting? Is it something that really matters? If not, let it go. How many times do we get involved in stuff we should? We just will not let it. Sometimes we just need to let it go. If it doesn't involve you, stay out of it. The Proverbs says, Like one who seizes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel, not his own. Great big Alsatian bounding by, you go and grab it by the ears. I mean, you know what's going to happen. You grab an Alsatian by this, it's going to bite you. Don't get involved in quarrels that are not your own. Stay out of them. Drop the matter. Secondly, the Proverbs says, speak gently. Proverbs 15 verse 1, it says, a gentle anger turns away wrath. We need to respond gently. When people come raging at us and when people are really cross with you, a gentle answer turns away wrath. The worst thing you can do when you've got a little fire is pour petrol on it. I remember years ago, we had a in the early years in uh, the church in Hedge End, we, had, uh, we used to have a bonfire night, uh, fireworks, we had a, uh, we'd have a bonfire. When it was raining, it was difficult to get lit. I just remember a guy called Derek coming with a can of petrol. And I remember him going up, and everybody goes, Derek, don't do that. And he throws petrol into the fire, and then he starts running away. But as he's running away, there's a trail of petrol following him. And the fire just, bonfire just goes, (laughs) chasing him up the car park. Crazy, crazy thing to do. When you pour fuel on a fire, it is going to blow in front of you. A gentle answer turns away wrath learn to hold your tongue and speak gently even when inside you're feeling differently don't throw fuel on the fire starve it of air starve anger of your wrath so when someone's coming at you you be gentle speak gently be patient count to ten Thomas Jefferson uh, uh, believed this. When angry, count to ten. If very angry, count to a hundred. That's great advice. Be patient. Guard your tongue. That's what it says in James chapter 1, verse 19. It always allows space for our own misunderstanding because there are moments we can misread the situation and we can go, we just want to rage back. Actually, count to ten because it gives space for us to realize perhaps we've made a mistake. It gives an opportunity for the other person to apologize. Proverbs fifteen eighteen says, A patient man calms a quarrel. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, we're told. Venting our anger is not. Finally, We avoid strife by avoiding bad company. Corinthians says, bad company corrupts good character. The Proverbs say this, don't make friends with a hot-tempered man, don't associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. If you want to avoid being ensnared, then watch who you spend your time with. Attitudes are mostly caught, not taught. God hates those who stir up anger Amongst brothers, that's what it says in Proverbs 16, verse 19. Do you keep good company? You See, God wants to bless us. He wants us to bless us with his presence. And he knows that anger is destructive. There are moments we need to be rightly angry about things. But there's a lot of our anger which is inappropriate. And God says, I want you to handle anger well. But actually, I'd rather you be free of it. I'd rather you live free of it. You see, the truth is, as we come to close this morning, God wants us to stay untarnished by anger as far as it's possible in this world. He's the only person who is always justified in being angry. His fierce anger is focused on all who live godless and wicked lives and turn their back on him and his ways. That's what Titus tells us. All of us would have had to have faced the righteous anger of God. And yet God dealt with our problem once and for all. He didn't turn a blind eye. He didn't ignore our sin. He's a holy God. He can't do that. His kingdom is established on righteousness and justice. And so if he just turned his back on our sin and ignored it, his kingdom would fall apart. Sin has to be dealt with. He's holy. And so God came up with a solution. He did something remarkable. His anger was poured out on our sin. But not on us, but on his son Jesus who bore our sin on the cross. He took our punishment. Paul in Romans explains it like this. Listen to this. wrath through him God has turned his anger away from us and he says to us this morning surely as my children you can do that you see the answer for anger management is not in trying harder it's not in reading the right book the answer is found at the foot of a cross It's at the foot of an empty cross in front of a risen saviour who's taken God's wrath for you. That enables you to go, if you did that for me, then I can let go of that by the grace of God. God, help me to do it. Do you need to receive grace this morning to help you? Maybe you battle with these things. Maybe you know there is stuff that you're capping and holding down, suppressing but underneath you're raging. Maybe it's stuff that happened years ago. Maybe you know that you just vent off very quickly. Sunday mornings, it's fine. But if, if we saw you on the motorway driving to work, it would be a different thing. We'd say, wow, gosh, didn't realize they were like that. Not really? Maybe this morning you have come here and you've never come to that place of giving your life to Christ. You can know that you are forgiven before God. Whatever you've done, however you've lived, God will forgive you through what Jesus has taken for you on the cross. All you need to do is receive the gift of forgiveness and put your trust in Jesus.